today on Ag News Daily. I then proceeded to tell her that, well, I own 12 pairs, and yes, you might think that sounds outrageous, but I will tell you I have been a supporter of the Crocs since they first came out when I was a second grader. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Today is Friday, July 13th, and we are back again with the Egg News Daily Podcast. My name is Hannah Pagel, joined by my co-host, Delaney Howell. Delaney, how is it going? It is another hot day, Hannah, and it's just the two of us on today's podcast for this spooky Friday the 13th <laughs> podcast. We're going to be having some fun today. We don't have an interview planned, not going to lie. We've kind of been, uh, you know, prepping for our big ag news network that we've been working on. So it's just going to be you and I today. We're going to have fun. We're just going to chat about what's going on in agriculture, maybe talk about your croc addiction. Oh, yes. The the big crack addiction for all of our listeners out there. I do have an addiction to the shoe Crocs. Um, I (laughs) will say I own over 12 pairs of them. So (laughs) if you want to learn more about that, stay tuned. Stay tuned. Let's get to our ag news first. So those folks that don't want to hear about your crock addiction (laughs) and other fun things, which I think they should all stay tuned for. But in case they're just here for ag news, of course, that's what we're here for. So let's jump into the news and it's kind of a slow news day today, isn't it, Hannah? It is. Um, you know, it was kind of hard finding some stories to talk about today, but the first one I have for you is, so yesterday there was a meeting that the FDA held about cell-based meat, and they were trying to just learn a little bit more from some scientists, some officials about how to regulate this product, and they were also getting some public opinion. Mm-hmm. And one thing that I found interesting is they did do a survey on consumers. Yeah, I saw that too. It, it was pretty fascinating. So uh, 49% of consumers say that lab-produced meat should be labeled as quote-unquote meat, but it should be accompanied by an explanation about how it is produced, and then another 40% say that it should be labeled as something other than meat. Delaney, what are your thoughts? How how yeah. would you like to see it be labeled? I would like to not see it be labeled as meat. I don't... Yeah. I mean, it is meat, I guess, technically, but I don't know. I still think that meat should be something that comes from a live, breathing animal. And it doesn't sound like maybe all consumers have the same thoughts. But my thing is, like, if they want... If they don't want labeling or specific labeling that says this isn't meat or whatever, like if they're willing to accept the fact that it's meat, why don't they accept like GMOs and or non-organic foods? Like why is, uh, what's, the, what's the deal here with this lab-grown meat? I guess that's my thought. I guess, I mean, coming from an education standpoint, mm-hmm. I just feel like there's a lot of misconceptions about labels mm-hmm. because it goes back to the the label natural. There's really no definition for what natural means, but people hear that word and they think, oh, it's just so much better than, you know, than this product that's not labeled natural or so on and so say. So, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how this pans out, but I think that they're making some progress and figuring it out. I'm just curious as to who's actually going to be regulating it because the FDA right. will, they're putting their foot down. They do not want this to go out of their control. So, you know, there's a big conversation right now between should the FDA be mm-hmm. regulating this or the USDA? So Yeah, and I was reading something the other day that the FDA made some big statement saying we can regulate this. We want to regulate it. We think we have the tools or the capabilities to regulate it. I, I don't know. I don't know. The, I think 
USDA regulates live animals, I think, and, and, and FDA is usually the byproduct or the, you know, food safety aspect, how you're preparing your food, kitchens, etc. So I don't know where that, I don't know where that would fall. I don't know either. It uh, goes back to another podcast that Mike and I were talking about where I found this quote. It was like an open face sandwich is underneath the FDA, but a closed face sandwich is mm-hmm. underneath USDA. So, oh, right. Interesting yeah. debate. But, yeah. uh, Delaney, what else is jumping out for you in the world of egg yeah. news? Let's talk a little bit here about the tariffs uh, because we had a down day again in the markets today, and a lot of that is still reverberated because of trade tensions, China's Commerce Ministry said on Thursday that Washington is, quote, fully responsible for escalating the trade war between the world's two largest economies because of uh, Trump's statement to slap another $200 billion worth of tariffs on Chinese goods. Interesting. Well, I mean, and that... So is that going to go into effect then? Is that back? Yeah, I'm not sure what the timeline is for that one. So that's going to be interesting uh, to see because the other one rolled out pretty quickly. It did. Um, And, of course, we had that vote now that that, uh, the Senate, and I believe the House might have voted on it as well or is going to vote on it as well to uh, be able to have the power to say no to... um, any sort of tariff moving forward. So it would be nice if we could see that get put into effect before the $200 billion mm-hmm. in tariffs, because I think then they would have the power to curb it. But like I mentioned yesterday, a lot of senators and representatives are up for re-election. So That's will right. they vote with their party, or will they vote for their constituents? I don't know. That'll be interesting to see. And you would hope that, you know, they're voting for their constituents, too, but you know how politics go. Absolutely. But the other piece of news that I have today is there are more dairy operations that are going to be adopting that automated robotic rotary parlor. So I touched on this a few weeks ago, how up in North Dakota there was a dairy operation that just installed this robotics rotary parlor, and they have announced, well, the USDA has announced that there is going to be more than, or a total of six dairy operations that are going to be adopting this this technology onto their onto their dairy farms. So there's going to be one that's going to be installed in Minnesota, which will have 60 stalls, which can house 2,000 cows, which they're hoping to start up in the fall. I think next June. And then Colorado is going to take on one, which is also a 60 stall for 2,200 cows. And then Texas is going to have one with 80 stalls to take on 3,300 cows. And California will have a 72 stall Hmm. robotic rotary parlor, which can do 2,800 cows. So I wonder what the difference is with stalls and how many cows they're doing there. But it's pretty cool technology. I'm still... Still waiting to hear back on the one quail dairy up in uh, North Dakota to see if we can get them on the podcast. They just had a a big open house, so they've been pretty busy doing some publicity up there with that. But hopefully we can get somebody on to talk about this technology because it seems very fascinating. It really does. Let's see. I'm going to take it back to trade for just a second here because we have a little bit of good news finally coming out about NAFTA negotiations. Um Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin confirmed yesterday that he will be heading to Mexico City today to discuss NAFTA moving forward. 
and uh, we'll be talking to the Mexican president-elect, who has been pretty openly opposed to President Trump and NAFTA and all of that stuff moving forward, um, but has said that he is open to discussions and wants to continue negotiations, so I think that that is a win for now. That's good news. Yeah, and actually I have one other piece of good news. Before we talk about the EPA and RFS, uh, Japan is going to begin accepting U.S. sheep and goat exports for the first time in more than 14 years. Well, so that's really good I didn't news. know we uh, exported a lot of sheep and goats, but for any sheep and goat producers listening, we've got a new market opening up again. Well, and I wonder wh- how come it's been closed off with Japan for those past yeah. 14 years? Well, Japan is really... Um, they're very protective when any sort of, you know, mad cow disease broke out or BSC, otherwise known as BSE. Uh, and so with the the lamb and goat industry in 2003, it says here, um, they found a case of bovine spongiform BSE in basically in uh, a lamb herd. And so I think they shut their gates off of after that. They've done that with beef before. So they're uh, very protective and Unfortunately, um, it seems like whenever we have any outbreak, regardless of where it is in the country, exports get shut off by the whole country. So, I mean, we saw it with avian influenza, we've seen it with BSE in both lambs, apparently, and cattle, but it seems like we need to figure out a better system there so that doesn't continually happen. That's right. Well, at least the market is open for now, so that is good news to hear. And I have a piece of good news before we talk about the EPA (laughs) again. So I'm going to take us down south a little bit. The University of Florida and Georgia Tech scientists are working to, to, excuse me, are working together to create a drought-resistant peanut. So... Mm. The two universities are pulling together their resources and grant money to lay the groundwork to design the new peanut type. And about 1.67 million acres of peanuts were harvested in the U.S. in the year 2017, and more than half of those peanut acreages um, are not irrigated. So mm-hmm. it provides, you know, a big need for a drought-resistant peanut. I'm actually surprised that there isn't already a drought-resistant peanut variety. You know, I was actually thinking the same thing, because I'm just like, is this an old article or whatnot? (laughs) But no, they are working on it right now, so I guess it's in the works. And you know how, you know, genetic engineering, it takes many years for the process and regulatory to make sure it's safe. So I'm sure some scientists have been working on this for many years, but I guess now they're just pulling together their resources to get it out on the market sooner. Absolutely. That's cool news. Okay, so let's talk about the RFS and the EPA. Uh, You mentioned yesterday, I think it was, about the hardship waivers. The EPA has definitely said we're not going to increase regulations or obligations for the larger refiners to make up for the hardship waivers. Mm-hmm. And if you'll recall, back in April, a group of senators, and I think I think it was a bipartisan group of senators and, yeah, I think it was just senators, um, sent a letter to the EPA demanding that they basically explain who received waivers, disclose the full information, basically, and that they stop issuing it, which, of course, they have done that for now. But the EPA finally responded, however many months later. That's, okay, that just seems a little bit fascinating, but kind of like what was taking them right. so long to get a response yes. back to this letter? So they issued a letter specifically to Iowa's Senator Chuck Grassley. In the letter, they confirmed that in 2006, 
16, 19 out of 20 hardship waivers were granted. An additional 29 of 33 were granted in 2017, and uh, with the remaining four apparently still pending. But they would not release the information of the 2018 waivers that were granted and would not disclose the names of any of those waivers that were granted. And uh, they further ticked off, I think, some of those senators that represent corn, uh, corn and ethanol uh, states. So... I guess no news, but also news because, yeah, you know, hmm. no news is good news, but not really in this case, I guess. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how this plays out and if those senators will respond to the letter. Yeah. But, yeah, so definitely something to keep our eye on for. But, Delaney, do you have any other agriculture news before we jump into the markets? I don't think I do, Hannah, do you? I have none, so why don't you go ahead and get us into the markets? All right, and of course our markets are sponsored by our friends at the Zaner Group. You can give them a call at 312-277-0050, and uh, of course, you know, when we have such tough times in the markets like we're seeing right now, it's good to have somebody on your team, so definitely go ahead and give them a call. Let's look at where the market's closed for today. A lot of red across the boards, except for the wheat market. That's the only one that's looking pretty optimistic today. In the corn pits, the July contract lost six and a quarter cents at three thirty and a quarter. The December contract down four and a half cents to close at three fifty four and three quarters. In the soybean pits, the July contract lost sixteen cents today to end at eight fourteen, while the November contract cut fifteen cents at eight thirty four and a quarter. As I mentioned, wheat was the one showing some strength today in the Chicago contract. The front month contract lost a penny. However, looking down the board at September Dece and out into the future, oh, big gains here. The September contract closed up 12.5 cents at 4.97 even. And jumping over to look at the livestock pits, live cattle today. The August contract lost 47.5 cents to close at 104.55. The October lost 22.5 cents to close at 107.37.5. Seeing some mixed spread here in the feeder cattle pits, the August front month contract lost 30 cents to close at 150.72.5, while the September contract gained 10 cents to close at 151.07.5. Jumping over to look at the lean hog contract, the July lean hog contract today closed unchanged at 79.95.5. The August contract lost 27.5 to close at 70.15 and I want to read October's because we are seeing some bright spots in the future there. The October contract closed up $1.35 to end at 55.30 and of course we can't forget dairy. Looking at where the dairy parlor ended today, class 3 milk, milk futures, the July contract lost 3 cents to close at 14.27 while the August contract lost 22 cents to end at 14.78. Now, before we get to our fun discussion about Hannah's crock addiction and more, what's coming with the network, etc., let's hear a quick word from our friends at Latham High Tech Seeds. This week, we're talking to our friend Phil Long, the agronomy specialist up at Latham High Tech Seeds. And Phil, we're midway through the summer. Japanese beetles are making their presence felt. Bring us up to speed. What should growers be looking for to determine if the Japanese beetles are, are really a threat this time of year? Sure, Mike. That uh, The skeletonized leaves and the feeding on, on soybean leaves tends to scare a lot of guys. And uh, you know, what they need to be looking for is uh, the percentage of defoliation. We're at that time when soybeans should be flowering. 
Um, they should be at that R1 growth stage. So R1 to R5, while they're in that seed fill and that early flowering time period, the damage is, is only 15%. That's the threshold you're looking for. Um, but, but remember, a lot of times people tend to overestimate that. Make sure you look at the new growth on the top of the plant you know, and see if they're really diving into that. Or if it's just on the old growth, that's really important. After you get past that, once you get to about the R6 or the green bean stage or that amame stage, 25% is kind of what you're looking for there to, to, to make the choice on, a, on an insecticide spray. So just make sure they look at the leaves hard and, and, and really do some comparisons on percentages before you get too excited. Folks, Latham High Tech Seeds has incredible agronomic insight. They've got incredible seed products for your field. If you want to get involved with a great company, call 1-877-GO-LATHAM or visit the website at LathamSeeds.com. All right, Hannah, you're on the hot seat today, which I literally, it's hot on this seat. (laughs) Yeah, so we're, we're, full disclosure, we're recording the podcast in my car. We have the AC on, the very lowest one, so you hopefully can't hear it in the background, but Mm -hmm. uh, it's 90 degrees outside right now in central Iowa, and it's a sticky one. It is, and Delaney, you have leather seats, so it was pretty pretty hot when we came in here right away. They're not my favorite. Um, I hate it when your legs, like when you're wearing shorts, and your legs stick to the seats, and then you like stand up, and it feels like your skin's ripping off. It literally does, or if you're like me, I have black leather seats, Mm. and so... I went and got in my car to come here today, and I forgot that they had been sitting out in the sun for a while, and I literally just sat down, and I screamed, like, whoop, like, (laughs) okay, like, need to slowly adjust in there, but... Yeah, in the hot seat today. And we were actually in Des Moines today because we had a web meeting with our, we call them web nerds. It's probably not the nicest term, but they're nerdy web guys, um, and they're helping us. We're very good at what they do. Yeah, very good. They're helping us revamp the website, and I think the name has been decided. We're going to go with Global Ag Network, so that's going to be our network name. And that is, I'm very excited about that. And I mean, our next step now is to figure out designs and mm-hmm. logos and colors. So, I mean, listeners, if you have any input on what you would like to see for that, please reach out to us and give us a, a comment or a shout out or anything for Absolutely. what you would like to see for some logo designs. We're going to be whipping up some ideas next week. Yeah, we could probably put some more polls on Facebook and Twitter, but this is a network of the people. We want to represent the people. Yes. And if anybody wants to start their own podcast or has a podcast that they know that maybe should be part of our network, please also reach out to us and let us know suggestions there. We've actually had a couple of people already reaching out saying um, they know of podcasts or they have a podcast or they have an idea for a podcast. I love podcasts, so Mm -hmm. I I don't know that there's a dumb idea for a podcast, but I think reach out to us. Definitely do that. But, uh, Delaney, what would you like to... Talk to we me have about. To talk about your Crocs, Hannah. Oh, We're gonna okay. do like a, this is like your midpoint intern evaluation. We're gonna okay. do it on air. Okay, let's, like, let's like a, get into it. You know then. how employers have like the ninety day review. This is like your <laughs> midway review. Except for mine's open to the public Absolutely. to everyone know about. It. Okay, <laughs> well I'm ready. Let, let's start with this Croc addiction. Um, why? First of all, okay, well. I will say, listeners, when I walked into this meeting today, I I did get myself a little bit, you know, dressed up, but I like to wear my Crocs because they're just really comfortable. And the first thing Delaney says, wow, you look cute, but what are you wearing Crocs for? (laughs) 
So I then proceeded to tell her that, well, I own 12 pairs. And yes, you might think that sounds outrageous, but I will tell you, I have been a supporter of the Crocs since they first came out when I was a second grader. And I haven't stopped wearing them, but my friends know me for the love of pineapples and the love of Crocs. <laughs> and if you see anything on Facebook that has a Croc on it or some weird, like, turning a Croc into a pair of high heels... I guarantee you somebody has already tagged me in that photo on Facebook. So, I mean, I've I've seen it all, but they're just too comfortable and wash and wear. I just love I them like too much. What it, tell me tell tell the listeners what you told me earlier about wearing Crocs to the bar. Oh, yeah. So, I like to wear my Crocs out just because, well, first off, they are a conversation starter. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. mm-hmm. literally, it gets people talking. Good otherwise. Yeah, definitely. And then Second off, I mean, you never know when you're out at the bar, like, if somebody spills a drink or, you know, some the Ames bars are not the nicest, so, I mean, they're kind of sticky to begin with, so, I mean, like I said earlier, wash and wear, like, I don't have to worry <laughs> about ruining some nice shoes, and then the third, you never know if you're going to get caught in a rainstorm, and, you know, you can wade through water with these and not have to worry about getting them ruined, so, I, I don't know why people don't wear these more often, I mean, they are literally the best shoe to wear. Okay. And they protect your feet. Most important question, are you going to wear them on your wedding day someday? Not that you're getting married yet. No. No, no, no. Um, but to be honest, I probably will. <laughs> uh, when I was out in Arizona for a vacation, I actually saw a wedding party. And the entire wedding party was oh. wearing bright, hot pink Crocs. Oh. And I loved it. The bride was wearing it. The 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 groom was wearing it. Oh, they he were was all rocking it. Many yes. Women. And even the father of the bride, wow. you name it. That's, the whole entire I, wedding party. I don't think I could get my dad to wear a pair of Crocs. Oh, well, yeah, I don't know. Just slip them on his feet. He might be, yeah, he might surprise true. you. But when I saw that out there, I was just like, hashtag goals. Like, <laughs> that was like literally perfect. But um, I don't know. I probably would not wear them down the aisle. Okay. But I definitely would change out into them during the reception. Or, or take some pictures. Like, a lot of a lot of people do fun pictures with their wedding parties. You can oh, yeah. Box. Oh, I could definitely do that. There's so many options. See? I mean, we've just talked about four minutes about Crocs, and I mean, <laughs> who else could do that? Sorry, it's not a riveting day in ag news. Maybe we should talk about something more ag-related. Um, actually, okay, I do have something I want to talk about, because I think we talked about it maybe when we first interviewed you on the podcast. But I'm fascinated by it. Tell us um, about your family raising, like, exotic species. Okay. So, it goes back to when my grandfather, uh, they would go to the sale barn and they just, my grandpa always wanted something different and exotic. And so, one day he came home with some exotic animals. And next thing you know... When you say exotic, what animals are we talking about? I'm talking, like, we had a lion, we had a cougar, we had (laughs) bears. My grandma even bottle fed some baby bears from when they were Mm -hmm. first born all the way up and... Um, my dad tells me stories because I, I never got to see the bears. I um, saw some different animals growing up, but he would tell me how they would wrestle with them. They would get up on their hind legs, and they would just, like, come at you, and they were very playful. The The cougar and the tiger were not so very playful, um, so they had to stay behind, you know, fenced-in areas. What did they them in, like a full-on cage? Like a Yep, but we had, like, some pasture area. Like, they were more cage type but they did have some area to like roam around in but the the big pasture area had the buffalo and the deer and then 
um, my parents actually, they basically bought our, our home that we still reside on today with, by selling potbelly pigs. Hmm. There yeah, was, market? there was a huge market for them back in the 90s because people wanted them as pets. And so, yeah, I can see that. They invested in this potbelly pig and they would have like, oh, nine on a litter. They got a couple litters out of it, but how much do you think people would buy a potbelly pig? I don't know, like three or four hundred dollars, maybe? No, like they were able to sell a baby potbelly pig for five thousand dollars. <gasps> Oh my gosh, and that was in the 90s. Yes, too. and they would put them on airplanes and send them to people in the cities who wanted them as pets. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Like, I'm glad Mike's not here because he'd probably be like, that's my next <laughs> business idea. I'm going to sell pot belly pigs. And I don't know where that market stands today, yeah, but that was back mm. some time ago. But yeah, we had, I mean, I remember the miniature horses, the buffalo, the deer, the zebra that we oh, had. Zebra even. Yes. Do you know, like, why they wanted to have all these exotic animals? I mean, did they, like, ever have a zoo or, like, have people come visit, like, They a zoo? had school tours out okay. on our farm, but, like I said, my grandpa just likes things that were unique and different. Yeah. So, that's just kind of how that story rolled, but then once, you know, you had to start paying a lot of, I think, just, just certifications to have these animals and make sure there was, like, safety, like, regulations in place mm -hmm. on the farm, so then it just got too costly, yeah. so... Um, we actually still had the deer for quite a while. We had a storm a couple years ago, and that um, one, a tree fell over onto the fence, and actually the deer got out. Hmm. So we no longer have our deer uh, herd anymore. But yeah, fun story about exotic animals on the Peggle Farm. Interesting. I guess uh, last question for you before we wrap up today's Friday episode. Uh, what have you been thinking so far about the internship? Do you like doing it? Are you going to student teach? Or are you going to teach and put you on the hot seat? You really are with this question because <laughs> I have been going back and forth. Like, So I've been talking to my cooperating teacher for student teaching, and I'm not going to lie. He gets me so excited. Like, I'm, I'm so ready to teach. He told me that I have 64 incoming freshmen, that mm. he's giving them all to me to teach this upcoming fall. And I'm I'm excited for it, but then... I, like, sit down and I think, like, well, I love what I'm doing with Agnes Daily. Like, I'm getting to design some content. I'm learning about podcast editing. I know you don't like the editing yeah, part, I but I actually kind okay. of really like that. Well, good. We're going to keep you doing it then. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Job security. Yeah. So, I, I'm literally, my hands are tied. And when people ask me, what are you going to do? I'm like, I really have no clue because... I, if you told me I had to go into teaching tomorrow, I have no doubt that I would love it, but if there was something available with, like, what I'm doing with Ag News mm -hmm. Daily, I would seriously consider doing that, too. So, I, it's safe to say I have options. Absolutely. But it's a good place to be in. Exactly. But options don't do really well for me <laughs> because I'm such an indecisive mm -hmm. person. Like, there are times where I have, like... Okay, I'm maybe exaggerating here, but, like, I have to, like, call my mom to ask her, should I eat an Oreo cookie today or a Chips Ahoy <laughs> cookie? I can't make up my mind. So I'm kind of I'm kind of tied here, but we'll figure it out as time goes on. So uh, are you, like, the atypical or stereotypical girl where it's, like, if you went on a date and a guy's like, oh, what do you want to eat? You're like, I don't care. No, I, I give options. Okay. But I do like it if they decide where we're going, but... If they decide a place, I'm horrible at this, if they decide a place that I don't want, but I told them, like, you pick, you pick I I actually do tell them, nope, we're not going oh, there, pick a different right. place. So, sorry, but 
sometimes I'm picky about food choices. (laughs) (laughs) Understandable. Understandable. Well, Hannah, thanks for being on the hot seat today. I appreciate it. Not a problem. And uh, listeners, if you want to get in touch with more of Egg News Daily Podcast, you can head to our website at www. Did I do four W's there? Okay, let's start <laughs> over. You go to www.agnewsdaily.com or you can find us on Facebook or Twitter at Ag News Daily. And with that, Delaney, should we let the people go? Let's let them go, Hannah. <laughs>